What is up, guys? It is the Blue Bloods here coming at y'all with another episode in our SEC in 30 days theme this month. We are moving on to Vanderbilt. We're joined by Vanderbilt football insider for the Tennessean, Adam Sparks, is joining joining the show today. I just want to say I appreciate you taking time, man. Yeah, hey, good to be on. Uh, I'm, I'm rewinding my brain a little bit to football, but it's it's coming pretty quick. So I think I need to I need to get in this mode. <laughs> it is coming real quick. I mean, uh, summer workouts are kicking up everywhere, but we got to take a step back to last season and to say that it was a difficult season for the Commodores would probably be an understatement with all the uncertainty. Derek Mason ended up being fired midseason, an all SEC schedule, which is just brutal. Um, what was your overall takeaway from the season and what was missing for this 2020 Vandy squad? Um, I mean, a lot of things are missing. You go winless uh, overall, you, you know, you've got some deficiencies. Um, you know, it was a tough year for everybody. Um, I, I think when you're Vanderbilt and your your level of talent is already below the rest of the conference for the most part, um, those deficiencies are going to show even more in a conference-only schedule. Um, you know, Vanderbilt, more than anybody, uh, needs to needs non-conference games to get a little bit of confidence going before they, they jump into SEC play. And, you know, everybody lost players because of, uh, you know, decisions by players to step out because of COVID, um, to opt out. Vandy had more opt-outs, to, to my knowledge, more opt-outs than anybody in the SEC. So then you see the deficiencies grow even more um, with that. So, you know, the, the difference in like an Alabama and Vanderbilt is, is a pretty big gap. Uh, it shows even more in a weird year like that. And, um, you know, Vandy's... Vandy's offensive line loss, I think, was four offensive linemen. Uh, that, that's that's depth issues to begin with. So your offense is going to be limited without without your offensive line. Defensive defensively, they had a lot of issues coming into the year, um, and those weren't fixed in a, in a COVID season. Um, so you know, Derek Mason was fired toward the end of the year, um, which shows you that anybody can be fired. And obviously we've seen that. We saw that all around the conference that COVID didn't, didn't save jobs for coaches. It certainly didn't for Derek Mason and uh, they needed a fresh start and they're going to try to at least get one with Clark Lee. Right. I mean, yeah, as an Auburn, as an Auburn alum, uh, yeah, Derek Mason's the new DC over here. So I'm interested to see how he does. And as we saw, Gus Malzahn wasn't immune to, losing his job during the COVID season, even off a win the last game of the year. But you mentioned Derek Mason moving on. Clark Lee steps in for, to that head coaching role for the Commodores for the 2021 season. He's an alum, played for Vandy from 02 to 04, was serving as the Notre Dame defensive coordinator, has been up at Notre Dame for a few years now. Why was Lee the guy for the Commodores, and what are your expectations for him as the new Vandy head coach? Well, uh, yeah, I mean, Clark Lee, as a defensive coordinator at Notre Dame and a guy that could get a job at a lot of the places, Vanderbilt would not have uh, gotten a chance to get Clark Lee if he was not an alum, if he was not a Nashville native. Uh, Clark Lee's family is known pretty well around town. His, his dad was a longtime physician, longtime doctor in the Nashville area. He, uh, You mentioned he was a former walk-on at Vanderbilt. Um, it's a hard sell to get uh, a to get somebody to come coach at Vanderbilt and it's, they've got, they've 
you know, they've hit a home run with, with James Franklin. They hit, I'd say, a, a double with Derek Mason, at least for a little while. They got to a couple of bowl games. Clark Lee, I think more than those two guys and more than probably any Vandy coach that I can think of, uh, believes uh, Vandy can get to where it wants to get to. Um, you've got to have a you kind of a unique perspective to have any success at Vanderbilt, and Clark Lee has it. You know, he was the he was a finalist for the job at Boston College when he was a defensive coordinator at, at Notre Dame. He was looking for a place where he could go to a um, a private school, smaller school, private school one where he could um, utilize a lot of the things that he saw as a player at Vanderbilt. And, uh, and you know, what, what better place to do it than Vanderbilt itself? If you're looking for a Vandy-like job, why not just go to Vandy? And uh, he knows it'll take time. You, you know, he's, he's laid out a few times already in the offseason that it's a 10-year plan. Now, he doesn't mean that of like it's going to take 10 years to win, but he means he's in it for the long haul. And uh, you can, you're given time at Vanderbilt to, to kind of build things how you want to be. Uh, I mean, Derek Mason was on the job for seven years, never had a winning season. Uh, he, had six, he had a couple of six and six years, and then he lost in the bowl game. But um, you're given time, and you're given uh, plenty of slack at Vanderbilt, and they'll give Clark Lee plenty. You know, this year, I mean, he inherits a roster that's – you know, that obviously went 0-9 last year and lost a number of players in the offseason. Um, you know, they could go 3-1 and in non-conference. It's a pretty manageable non-conference uh, schedule. You win one in, in the SEC, then you're talking about a 4-8 and eight year. That's not what Vandy fans want, but I think that's reasonable. It's plausible. It's And it's not a bad first year if he can go 4-8. and eight. He really just has to avoid the, you know, the 2-10 and 10 type year. And I think he'll probably do that, but... You know, uh, again, the COVID year last year showed that if Vandy loses, you know, just a few key players, it can be uh, doom. And uh, so he'll have to guard against that. They're already thin in a few spots. He'll have to find some creative ways to build depth. Right. And, I mean, I I think if I remember right, we just covered this uh, episode or two ago. I think Vandy was tied with Auburn, like, for, like, fifth, in the power files with like 19 players lost to the transfer portal after Darren Mason was fired. I think Tennessee led the country with 25. So man, 19 players when you only have 25 scholarships per all season is pretty tough to replace for a first year head coach. Yeah. And there's a couple reasons for that. Some of those were lost during the season. Um, you know, if you've got a coach, it's sort of a lame duck or a hot seat coach especially on a losing team, especially on a team that didn't win a single game. You see guys jump ship quite a bit. So you had a number of those during the season as Derek Mason was kind of turning toward the exit. And then you had some after the fact um, that left. A lot of those, or some of those were graduate transfers. Uh, Vandy is unlike most other SEC schools where, you know, most players at SEC schools will stay for the five years, and even if they graduate, they'll slide into grad school. They'll stretch out their course load and make sure they use all four seasons of eligibility. Uh, Vandy, high academic school, obviously, uh, it's it's not uncommon at all for guys to redshirt one year, play three seasons, and, hey, I graduated, so I'm out of here. Yeah, I still have eligibility left, but I'm going to go – you know, get a high-paying job in whatever field I just got my degree in. So it, it turned a little bit this year, I think, where 
players looked at it and said, I have my degree. I'll go be in graduate school at a, at, a, at another school because now you can transfer a whole lot easily or you can jump into the portal. You can go into a conference. And so you saw a few of those guys, uh, a few of those guys do that this year where in the past they would just go right into the workforce. Right. And I mean, Clark Lee's first big thing, if you're ever going to rebuild a team, you have to be able to recruit. I mean, he did a good job stepping in, salvaged a top 50 class, which is really, really good in terms of national rankings. Headlined by a top 200 player out of Maryland, of all places, and Marcus Bradley, one of the best D-linemen in this past class. For you, though, looking at this roster, what were the biggest positional needs for Vanderbilt? And do you see any guys who could be instant impact players going forward to 2021? I'm always hesitant to say any signees are going to be um, impact guys for Vanderbilt. And that's that's only because, you know, Vanderbilt signees are almost all three-star players. I mean, uh, you know, Derek Mason, I think it was something like 80 to 85% uh, of his signees were three-stars. And that's three-star signee. That's fine. But, you know, a three-star kid is a kid that may work out, may not. You're kind of on the fence in, in the SEC. You have to talk about five-star guys. Forget Talk about more can't-miss players, and Vanderbilt just doesn't land those. You know, even James Franklin in recruiting had one top 30 class. He's remembered as this phenomenal recruiter. He did have a top 30 class. But outside of that, he was usually like, you know, he was in the 40s, a little, little below 50, which is where Derek Mason usually was and where Clark Lee is early on, and that was really Derek Mason's class. Clark Lee got hired like the day before the early signing day, so this was Derek Mason's class. Um, you know, if I had to see guys that Vandy fans haven't seen yet that's gonna that could make an impact, I think Ramon Davis is a guy. He's a Temple transfer, um, was a freshman All-American two years ago at, at Temple, and um, a guy that could be a thousand yard rusher, I think, in the SEC if he's healthy, and that's a that's a spot of need. As as you ask, where where's where's there a need? There's a tremendous need at running back. Um, Keon Henry Brooks was their leading rusher last year. He jumped into the portal. Uh, Javion Marlowe is a um, is a kind of was there going to have to be their starter. He's been injury plagued. Was in the spring. Has been his whole career. Um, Jamari Wakefield was a guy that could have come back. He instead left. So, you know, you're down to a transfer and an injured player and a, and a guy and a couple of guys that haven't really played a lot. So Ramon Davis as a proven transfer would be a guy. I think they can jump right in and be what they need at running back. The receiver's good. Quarterback is good. Ken Seals is really good. They also have a good backup in Mike Wright that could run the ball. Offensive line will be improved because they get back all those guys that set out last year for COVID. So offense has a little bit of a chance. You just have to have a running back. And it's not really at this point, do they have a good running back? It's do they have enough running backs to to play a complete schedule? I think that's actually a legitimate question. And Ramon Davis is probably the best of that bunch. Right. And, I mean, you mentioned the quarterback battle with Ken Seals. There has been a lot of talk based on what I've been reading that Clark Lee has said this is still an open competition. A lot of people are still leaning towards Seals, but there is a there is a segment of the Vandy fan base that thinks Mike Wright is the more explosive option that can kind of set this offense ablaze. And then you also have Jeremy Musa is the kind of the third guy in that battle, but I, I really think it's Wright and Seals. 
what do each of these guys bring to the offense? And do you think Seals is still your favorite for that QB one role in 2021? Yeah, you know, it's sometimes hard to gauge whether these, uh, especially with the new coach, whether these, hey, it's an open competition talk is legitimate uh, because that's always the, you know, you, you try to do that to motivate guys and to say you're going to give everybody a, a fair shake. I can say with Clark Lee, it's it's legitimate. He, he he means that competition to be open going into the fall. Yeah, Ken Seals is still the starter. Um you know, fans tend to get excited, and sometimes even coaches, I think, tend to get excited with the backup quarterback when he's a dual-threat guy, especially if the starter is not as uh, dynamic, and that's the case with these two. Um, you know, Ken Seals is a guy that can complete 65 70% of his passes. As a freshman um, in, a, in an all-SEC uh, schedule, that's saying a lot, but, you know, completing a 12-yard a, a out, uh, you know, three times out of four is not really a sexy thing that fans look at. Completion percentage is not a is not something that gets people excited, but it's it's very very essential. So Ken Seals is the guy. He uh, he broke Kyle Shermer's freshman passing record at Vanderbilt last year. He's a guy I think that could be a starter for four years, maybe even five, because the COVID year doesn't really count. Um, uh, you know, a uh, very efficient passer, really good leader. Can run it a little bit. Um, now, that being said, Mike Wright will have a role. Last year, Mike Wright was used a little bit on Derek Mason's staff with uh, or by his staff as a as a red zone guy, as a third and short guy, a guy that could come in and run the ball, could also throw it a little bit. He, they had a package for him, and there will be a package for Mike Wright in this offense as well, probably a little more expanded than it was last year. So, yeah, Ken Seals is the number one. Uh, Mike Wright will have have a have a place in this offense, and especially with what I said before, the fact that they don't know if they have uh, an answer at running back, you you're going to need to put a quarterback in there that can run the ball, and Mike Wright is that guy. So Seals one, uh, Mike Wright two, but at times he'll look like you know the, they could look like one A or one B, but Ken Seals is going to throw for a whole lot of yards. He's got he's got wide receivers to do it. I, I think saying Mike Wright could be the starter, I think, is a little presumptuous. Right. And, I mean, spring practices wrapped up about a month ago. The Lee era was ushered in with the Vandy spring game April 17th. The white team got a 68-30 to win over the black team. What a That's a, that's one of the biggest scores that I think I've seen for any of these spring games. I understand the QBs are always the top position people want to look at, but what were some other positional battles you were watching closely? And just what are some of your overall takeaways from the first spring practices under new head coach Lee? Well, my takeaway uh, is that the defense looked terrible. Um, now, there was there was a spring game that we all saw. There were also two um, inter-squad scrimmages, which are essentially spring games with that fans there. And the defense was good in one of those, was bad in another, and then they were bad in the spring game. So uh, one out of three actually is bad. Two out of three isn't bad. (laughs) One out of three is bad. Um, I think there's some real big questions on that defense. Um, You can say all that you want, and Clark Lee did, that, well, it's the calls are very vanilla, and they're not going to show things in a spring game, and that sort of thing. But uh, Vandy last year under Derek Mason, who's a really, really good defensive mind, and I think he'll be great as Auburn's defensive coordinator, 
on Derek Mason's defense, they couldn't stop the run. They struggled to stop the pass. The only reason they ever had a pass rush is because they had uh, a couple of NFL caliber pass rushers, but they still didn't get much of a pass rush with those two guys. Um, so they had big deficiencies on defense last year, and they've got the same roster really more depleted now, uh, and they're going to have to figure out something to do with that defense. So uh, defense, I think, is an enormous question mark, and I, I think it looks even worse after that spring game. Um Offensively, I mean, if I had to pick out one guy, um, uh, Will Shepard uh, is a wide receiver. Uh, he's a guy that uh, caught a couple of big balls, caught a, uh, caught a touchdown, I think maybe even two touchdowns in the spring game. He's a guy that caught, made a couple of big, ca- a few big catches and a touchdown in one of their scrimmages. Um, he's an all-or-nothing guy, um, a guy we only saw make a couple of catches last year, but he is a possibly rising star, future star, at a position where they actually have depth. If you looked at Vanderbilt and said, where do they have a positional group that could be somewhat competitive with, with you know, at least half of the SEC, and that would be a wide receiver. Uh, Cam Johnson is the leady, leader in receptions in the SEC returning, uh, the, the top guy of the returning wide receivers. Um, Chris Pierce is a big play guy for them, had five touchdowns last year in just nine games. Amir Abdur-Rahman is a guy that's produced for the last couple of years. And so you've got three proven wide receivers, and then you throw Will Shepard, a fourth guy, in there, uh, a young guy that can that's had a lot of big plays in the spring. And you've got a formidable uh, group of wide receivers, and Shepard could certainly fit in there. As I mentioned, the, I, I think – I think there's some questions if they can run the ball, they're going to have to throw it. They have a quarterback that can throw it, and they have depth at wide receiver. That's where they're going to have to go. And Shepard is a big X factor in that because they need more than just three guys. Right. I mean, and I want to look kind of ahead to 2021. It's the SEC. We always understand everyone in the SEC has probably a top 50 schedule in terms of strength. But Vanderbilt has an interesting thing where they get Stanford in the non-conference this year, which is going to be a tough game. They do get to come to Nashville, though. But you also have Georgia, Florida, Ole Miss. I mean, tennis. I mean, you have all these big SEC programs. In Clark Lee's first year, what is the ceiling and or floor for the 2021 Vanderbilt Commodores? Whoa, the <laughs> – the, I always like to say um, the ceiling for most Vandy teams uh, is about seven wins. Now, James Franklin won nine. That's that, that's an outlier. Historically, that's an outlier. Recently, it, it, it just is. And, um, you know, th- there's, there's so little difference at Vanderbilt between uh, – you know, six and six and four and eight. There's just very little difference between those. Um, a lot of it depends on your schedule, your non-conference schedule. Um, Vandy always has a couple of games every year in conference where you think, hey, this is when they're going to get a big conference win. They, you know, they lose it by, by a field goal or something like that. Not last year, but it, throughout Mason's tenure, certainly, and some with Franklin's. Um, you know, I think they, they'll, they'll beat ETSU. Um, that's an FCS game. At Colorado State, they haven't been very good even on the road. I think they can win that one. It's not that's not a guarantee because it's on the road, but uh, I think they'll win that one. Stanford at home is going to be tough. I wouldn't pick them to win that one. UConn has been has been bad. Uh, I'm thinking UConn didn't even play last year, so yeah, they did it. You know, yeah, so the <laughs> the ceiling in non conference is four and zero. Oh. The the bottom of that is. 
I guess one and three. Um, so I, I think you could in the ceiling in conference. I'm gonna have to do some quick math here, but the, you know, the ceiling in conference is probably two and six. Uh, you know, and the floor is zero and eight. So I, I mean, I don't. I, it would shock me if Vanderbilt was uh, was bowl eligible this year and got six wins. I, I think the ceiling's probably five and seven, and the floor is uh, is one and eleven. Uh, as I said before, I. I I think a four and eight year is plausible, and if if they get to four and eight, there may be a few signs that six and six is on the horizon. But this could go poorly as 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 well as it could go well. Right, and it's so unpredictable. Because I mean, last year, uh, I don't remember what the point spread was. I know it was outrageous, but I mean, to go on the road at Kyle Field and almost knock off Texas A and M the first week of the season for Vanderbilt last year was a shock, and then the wheels kind of came off as the season progressed. So you never know at that point. But, you know, last question here. I know Vandy gets a lot of criticism for the stadium and not turning out, but when James Franklin was out there doing what he was doing and Derek Mason at the high points, that stadium is one of the one of the coolest environments out there. So, and also I'm always interested in how do you do this in a big city? I'm an Auburn alum. Outside of football, and sports, Auburn's a nothing town, but Nashville's always something going on. So what makes this campus, Nashville, Vanderbilt Stadiums, a unique environment on game days? Yeah, the, the city thing, is a, that's a strength and weakness. Uh, it's a strength because you're selling a major metro area, um, especially in recruiting. The weakness is when it comes to Saturdays. If you don't have a really good product and if you don't have a, a, a good chance of winning a game, you're competing with a whole lot of other things in town. And, um, you know, I mean, the Titans are here. The Predators are here. Uh, they have a new MLS team that's building a new stadium. By the way, a stadium that's owned by uh, Vandy's uh, biggest booster. Um, you know, um, Vandy's stadium is uh, by far the uh, least developed oldest one at least in what it's 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 original construction that there is in the sec hadn't been any major work done on it since like 82 um you know they've got to win to bring people there because the stadium's not going to bring people there it's just kind of a common stadium um clark lee has helped that some as i mentioned he's a local guy so he's going to be given the benefit of the doubt. Eventually, it's going to take winning for people to come there. I mean, Vandy has been known for years as the the school that will sometimes have reasonably big crowds for that stadium in SEC play, but it's filled with LSU fans and Georgia fans and Alabama fans. It's, it's filled by visiting fans. Um, for that to change, they're going to have to win. They're going to have to be competitive. And uh, and Clark Lee's got an uphill climb uh, to, to get there. Um, it's it's as simple as that because people are not going to come just to come, at least not enough to to really give them a home field advantage. It'll take time. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of the thing all across the country. If you're not winning, especially, I mean, I've talked to people from like Boston College and things like that. If you're not winning, there's other stuff to do. And, and Auburn, there's really not anything else to do. So you might as well go to the game or Tuscaloosa. But Man, I appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I know everything's busy, baseball season, everything like that. So I definitely appreciate it. Where can our listeners find you, social media, website, any of your articles, anything you want to plug to our listeners, this time is yours. 
Uh, yeah, coverage online. Uh, myself and my colleagues covering Vandy uh, are on Tennessean.com. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Adam Sparks. Yep. So, guys, make sure to go do that. I promise you. They got some great covers. Checking it out. And go follow Adam on Twitter, man. Keep up with a little bit of Vandy football for this upcoming season. I'm excited for the Clark Lee era. Um, he seems like a great dude. His He won the press conferences for me. I loved everything he was saying. I like his energy. So um, it'll be an interesting season. But, guys, you know where to find us, any and all podcast streaming platforms, video versions on YouTube. So subscribe there now. We will be back uh, later this week with Arkansas and our SEC in 30 days. So we continue that. You can go check out all the episodes we've done so far. We've done Auburn, Mississippi State, Florida, and Missouri so far. So make sure to go check those out. But for Adam, for myself, and for the Blue Bloods, guys, we are out. <laughs>